Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento. And man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. Awesome. Well, I hope you're having a good day, good start to the year, a few weeks into it. And uh, this series is all about habits. And I'm praying that this is extremely practical and extremely helpful for all of us here today. I believe church should be helpful. I believe it's not a place where we just come to feel better about ourselves, a place where we say, man, I checked something off and did a Christian thing this week. But I believe it's a transformational opportunity every single Sunday. And it's transformational, hinging upon our ability to open ourselves up to God and, and really be receptive to what He wants to say to us. So my uh, request to all of you is just to have that attitude, saying, God, what do you want to say to me today? Let me be open. I know our minds could be running all over the place about, what he want, about what's going on today, but my prayer and my request, again, is that we be receptive to what God wants to say. And as we're talking about habits and declaring this is my year over this year, uh, I'm going to start with this basis of a statement, and it's this. Habits will make or break the success of your life. Habits will make or break the success of your life. Think about that for a second. And I say that because we often neglect that power that habits have. We think of the big picture and like achieving these big moments, and that is what success has created. This big moment when you got that promotion, that big moment when you asked your wife to marry you, that big moment in your life. But I believe that the success of our life is really hinging upon the habits that we have. The habits will make or break the success of your life. Now, if that's true, we, we don't need to only focus on, man, what habits do I need to put in place? What are the good habits I need to start but we really actually need to think about what are the habits that are going to break the success of our life, that are going to break the future, that are going to tear down and take away from who God wants us to be. So if habits are, are these things that can take, a, take us down, I want to encourage you with this next statement, that habits, that stopping a bad habit is crucial and possible. Those two things. Stopping a bad habit is both crucial, but it's also possible. It's a very big deal, but you can do it. Those are the, if you forget everything I say today, who is it? What was that? If you forget everything I say today, don't don't forget that statement because you're looking at your life and say, man, I I need to stop these things. Stopping a bad habit is both crucial and possible. It's crucial because those things will prevent you from what God wants you to do. You have bad habits in your life. You can't ignore them. We need to identify them. because It's crucial because that, that makes a big impact on, on the things God has for your life. And it will determine your future. Because here, I, wanna, I want you to think about it in this way. No one plans on going bankrupt. You get there one bad habit at a time. No one plans on dying early from preventable disease. You get there one bad habit at a time. No one, no one plans on getting a divorce. No one plans on having a severed relationship with your kids. But we get there one bad habit at a time. And, and I believe this is something that's not so much talked about at church, um, at least not in my experience, but I believe it's something so crucial. And so stopping a bad habit is so crucial 
but it's also very possible. So I want to give you, push on you the severity of this, but I also want to encourage you with hope that it's not only crucial, but you can do this. You can do this because God is with you. You can do this because his power is living with you, and you can do that with the proper direction that's in Scripture. So I want to, I want to give you both those things, hope and direction. I want to give you the encouragement, but I also want to give you the practical steps that I find in Scripture and, then, and that I found in my own life, that the struggles that I've had and I've messed up and I've learned from and I come back to the truth of Scripture that He's given me that direction. And so my second request, I asked you to be receptive, my, my second request is for you to do something maybe you don't always do, but a lot of us do at Project Church, and that's to take notes. Uh, we have the YouVersion Bible app. I know there's usually a slide for that. The YouVersion Bible app is an amazing resource where there's a lot of plans. Um, a lot of people have been starting them this year and this month. But there's also a feature on there where you can follow on with the notes if you tap events. So in the bottom right-hand corner, there's a spot that says more, and then you hit events, and you can follow along with the notes and the passages that are already laid out in Scripture that I'm going to go over today. So I encourage you to take notes because often you will be encouraged I don't know how many times I've been to church, and I'm like, man, that was a good message. That preacher can preach. That was good. And then my, I go home, and then my wife was like, yeah, what, what, was, what did the message talk about? I was like, it's good. <laughs> like, well, but what did he say? But it just made me feel. Just, uh, it's like, but what, did, you know, what are you going to do differently? How are you putting this into application? What are you, what are you taking from I don't know, but it was good. Like, sometimes I'm there, and so I've, I've tried, and I'm not perfect, but I've tried to, often on Sunday mornings when I'm not preaching, I'm taking notes, and if I'm in a, in a, uh, a setting where there's uh, some teaching happening, I'm trying to take notes, because often I'll, it'll, it, won't, it, it will be in here, it'll be the inspiration part, but it won't move up here or the application part, and I won't come back to it because I forgot what he said. So I want to encourage you, if you don't already have the habit, you know, whether it be on your phone or on paper, Take notes so you can come back to it. And the first note I want you to, to take down, and maybe even jot a thought down, is based on this question. And the question is this, based on who you want to become, what is one habit that you need to stop? Don't overwhelm yourself by thinking of 14 things you need to stop right now because you're going to set yourself up for failure. So this is the first direction that I want to encourage you with, is identify one thing. Not a, not a bunch of things, but one thing. And you notice the phrasing on that question, I say, based on who you want to become. That will give you some direction because you're saying, man, not what do I want to do, not what do I want to achieve, not how I want people to look at me, but who do you want to become? And when you ask that question, then you develop the answer to this. What is one habit you need to stop? I want to be a strong dad. I want to be, I want to be in my child's life, so what's one habit I need to stop? Probably the biggest one, the way I would answer this, to be transparent with you is putting down my phone when I'm at home because I'm thinking years from now, I'm going to look back and say, no, I want my child to have the connotation when they look at my dad, my dad's here for me, not sucked into a device. And so, so that, this is one thing that I'm putting into place. And one practical step I have done is deleted some, some apps like Instagram and YouTube. I was just like, no, nah, I don't need that for a, for a while. Maybe I'll come back to it. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll try to moderate. Maybe I'll just cut it out. But, but, what on, but for you, what is one habit that you need to stop? And so I want to kind of go deeper into what's the problem with this. We all fall into a few categories. That uh, What's the problem? Number one, the problem is we don't realize some of the things that we are doing are 
bad habits. We don't realize the bad habits, that some of these things are tearing us down, they're detrimental. So some of us fall in this category that we don't even realize it. Now we're like, no, we're good. I'm a good person. And some of us, we just don't admit them. You know, we know, we know we got them, but we shove them under the rug. Be like, I don't want to talk about that. Uh, that's, not, that's not me. I don't got any bad habits. And we, we know they're there, but we don't admit them and we, and we suppress them. Or number three, which I believe most of us would probably follow. We say, you know what? I got them. I realize them. And I'll even admit them. But I don't know how to stop doing this. You're in the right spot today and you're in good company today. Today, my message is not shame, it's not fear, it's not to say, man, look at you, look at this bad habit, I'm bringing up this bad thing, I came to church and now I feel bad, great. But my, my prayer is that you feel the hope and the grace that comes from knowing Jesus Christ and knowing that he is with you, that you can overcome this bad habit, and on the other side of that bad habit, is God's, it, through, through God's grace, is hope for you is you taking a step further and deeper into knowing who God is because essentially these bad habits are, are just sin. And sin is the one thing that separates us from God. And I want to I uh, encourage you again that stopping a ha- bad habit is both crucial and possible. And so with that said, I want you to declare, just like this message series says, that this is my year. Some of us have been dealing with this bad habit over and over and over again, and we do not know how to stop. The first thing I want to encourage you with is to declare over your, over your year and over this bad habit that this is my year that I stopped doing this. That this is my year that I believe stopping a bad habit, it starts with the belief that you can do it. Right now, some of us, you, you were, you, I brought up the bad habit thing, and you're like, Pastor, I already tried that. You need to believe that it can be possible. And I want to instill you, I want to convince you right now that you can do it. If you're arguing with yourself, like saying, no, there's no way I can do it. I've already tried. I've tried every trick in the book, but I can't do it. I want to convince you right now that with God, with the strength that he puts in you, that you can stop this bad habit without looking at it in shame, without looking at it in fear, but looking through the lens of God's grace in your life, you can do it. I'm going to do a little bit more teaching today and kind of an overview, a little bit different than I'm used to. That's why I encourage you to take notes. So I want to do an overview of these things called bad habits that I would even break down to define as simply sin. So let's look at a few scriptures and, and break down this idea of sin. First off, sin, what does that mean? Sin is breaking the law of God. 1 John 3, 4, the person who keeps on sinning is guilty of not obeying the law of God, for sin is breaking the law of God. Anything that we do that doesn't line up with Scripture, and it also describes, is described as missing the mark. When we miss the mark, and next on this is this truth, that we've all sinned. We've all sinned, and that's what Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's like a big target, and the target's right here, and then we aim for it. We say, man, I'm trying to, trying to be perfect and try to do what God says, but we all fall short. And so you, me, we all are falling short. We all have sin in our life. And so the next thing, we all sin, but, and sin is deadly. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Sin is deadly, but there's hope because there's Jesus. John 8, 35, 36 shows that sin is enslaving, but there's hope. Because Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. 
The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, tell me, how, do you, how does that end? The son sets you free, you will be free. Come on. And that's the truth. That's another, another truth that we need to look at because we need to have a correct theology, a correct perspective on this idea of sin. And here's another important truth to look at when we look at sin is this, that Jesus will always forgive you. 1 John 1, 9. And again, I want you guys to have these truths because often we'll come back and we'll, we'll forget these things. But if you have these, even in your phone, on a piece of paper, you come back and say, no, Jesus said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Look at those two words there, faithful and just. That means he will always do it. He's faithful to do it. That means every time God will forgive you every time and just means that he will do it no matter what. He will do it no matter what, if you are right or if you are in the wrong. And often it's the latter. Often we're in the wrong, but he is just and he will do it every time regardless of our standing. Regardless of our righteousness, he purifies us from all unrighteousness. He will always forgive. The next thing is that grace isn't a license to sin. Paul talks about this. It's a perspective that that I've had before. And like, look, I wasn't the only one to have, that had thought about this. Paul was saying this. And he said, hey, what if we got this grace? What shall we say? You know, grace, it's abounding. We just read the passage. Hey, he's going to keep on forgiving us. I do that thing. I already know God's going to forgive me of it. But what does he say? He says, are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? He says, by no means. How can we who died to sin live in it? The grace we receive as followers of Christ is not a license to sin, but it's the key to overcoming it. It's the strength we operate out of to get over that sin and to not let it enslave us. Because grace is, is something that pulls us out of. It's not the license and not, it's not the, the, the approval to go and live in that sin anymore. But rather, it's the key. It's the ladder that we can climb out of this sin that is enslaving us. 1 Corinthians 10.13 also reminds us that there's always a way out of your sin. And so it says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. It's already been done before. God is faithful. There's that word again. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with that temptation, he will always provide what? A way of escape, a way out. He will always provide a way out. So it's never, you're never stuck in your sin. God always allows a way out, specifically in, that, in regards to to being tempted, where you're thinking about doing it, you say, hey, I'm already sucked in. There's always a way out. John 5, 14, he desires, desires for us to sin no more. He gives us this commandment after Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well. And he, this was after the healing. And then he commissions them, commissions this man who was just healed. He says, sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. And so Jesus' desire is for us to be free from sin, to not have it in our life. And so if that's true, we should make it our goal to see a decreased pattern of sin in our life. The last thing is this, is, is similarly, he doesn't condemn us, but rather calls us to sin no more. The woman that was caught in adultery, every guy in the place, all these, these uh, Pharisees who were so set on obeying the law and this idea of perfection being achieved and the idea of the enforcement of the law. Someone, someone disobeyed the law, man, they need to be punished for that. 
And, and Jesus started writing in the sand. You may know this story. And all of the, the people who thought that woman should be, a, should be stoned because of her actions started walking away because they realized their own sin. And the woman asked, where's my accusers? Is there anyone there? And she said, no, Lord, there's nobody there. And then he, and then he replied, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So I want to jump in based on that statement right there that Jesus said. He said, hey, sin no more. How do we live that out? Well, I believe part of our discipleship, part of just growing closer to God is seeing a decreased pattern of sin in our life. A year ago, did you st- do you still have the same issues that you were dealing with? For those of us who have been Christians a long time, are you, are you still struggling with those same things? Or are you seeing a decreased pattern of sin in your life? The hard thing to handle and even theologically for me to explain for us to even, is can we be completely sinless on this side of heaven? And my stance and what I believe after looking at Scripture is that we always have a sin nature with us this side of heaven. In other words, we always have a sin nature. We always have this desire to do bad. We are imperfect in our human bodies before we die, before we encounter God in heaven. And so with that said, that's why I say we should see a decreased pattern of sin in, in, your, in our lives. And some people may be a little uh, opposed to that statement like that. It's almost saying that there's like a license to have sin. But my, my heart in explaining that to you is to understand that there will always be a sin nature. But we can starve that sin nature and, and let our, our spiritual uh, desire overcome the fleshly desire. Caleb talked about a few weeks ago. So with this said, I want you to have a, an overview of, of sin because in other words, bad habits are sin. And now I want to jump in to three or four, four things and four, four ways to answer this question, how do we stop? Because I think a lot of us are in that third category of the problem where we say, man, I know it, I'll even admit it, it's there, but I don't know how to stop. There's this thing, and Paul describes it, I, I don't wish to do this, but I do it anyway. And I find myself giving in to the things that I don't want to do, and I know the consequences, and I know there's an issue with it, and I know that, that I'm making a dumb decision, but I still do it anyways. You're in good company today. Let's look at this. How do we stop? The first thing is really simple. I want to encourage you to identify and acknowledge the bad habit. Have you ever had that friend uh, that had a booger hanging from their nose or been in a situation where there's a booger hanging from their nose and you just didn't have the guts to tell them because it's like awkward? You know what I'm saying? No, no, that's just me. Well, and you know when you tell them, you know when someone tells you like, hey, you got a booger hanging from your nose, you're always thankful, right? Like I I am. I'm like, hey, I I don't want to be walking around with a booger hanging from my nose. I'm a little self-conscious now that I'm talking about it that... Good? Thank you. And see, a, a true friend, then you're always like, hey, man, I got a true friend. It's not about like, hey, that was messed up. Why'd you do that? You're always thanking that person and being like, hey, I know who my real friends are. And, and sometimes we could be blind to our bad habits, simply like the booger hanging from our nose. We don't see it in ourselves because that's not where we're looking. We have these blinders on. And so today, I want to be that friend that you prob- and let you know you probably have a booger hanging from your nose right now. Not in a metaphorical sense. A metaphor- metaphorical booger is hanging from your nose. And it's called a bad habit. I think that was the first time this analogy has ever been used in any church ever. 
But hey, you got a different pastor today. He's a little different. And, and so I want to encourage you with that because identifying it and acknowledging the bad habit is really the first step to do anything because you cannot defeat what you don't define. And you, and you can write that down too. You can't defeat what you don't define. So if we're not really able to label put a write it down and say, man, this is what I need to stop, then we're not able to, to move past it. You have this bad habit. But, but, you can, but you need to put it down. You need to lower your pride and say, man, this is it. I'm going to own it. I'm not going to ignore it. I'm not going to sweep it under the rug. But identify and acknowledge the, the bad habit. So simply ask God, God, what's one habit do I need to stop? Based on who you want to become, what is one habit you need to stop? Identify it, acknowledge it, and say, yes, this is in my life. And I desire to stop this because I realize that pattern of sin is enslaving, that it hurts me, it hurts others. And you're saying, okay, this is it. I acknowledge it. I know I'm forgiven by God, but I'm going to move past it. So maybe I kind of labeled it as three categories. Maybe it's attitude. Maybe it's digital. or Maybe it's a substance. Maybe it's your attitude. You're judging people. Maybe you're comparing yourself to other people. Maybe you're not forgetting, forgiving people and you're, you're holding bitterness towards people. Maybe it's ungratefulness in your attitude. Maybe it's lust as part of your attitude and your perspective. Maybe it's digital. Maybe it's social media, like, like I was saying. Maybe it's the TV that you're just being sucked in. You're like, man, this is a bad habit, but I keep on doing it. You're having trouble moderating it. What is your bad habit? Constantly needing to be on your phone. And statistics tell me that a big one under this category, that the majority of people even in this room struggle with the addiction of pornography. And it's something I've talked about many times, even with the struggle I've had in my life. And what I want to encourage you with this is that it's crucial to stop and it's possible to stop. And I want to give you hope and I want to give you encouragement to not feel the shame, but to receive God's grace and move past it. But identify it. First, identify and acknowledge it. Or is it a substance? Maybe it's nicotine. Maybe it's overeating. Maybe it's abusing alcohol. Maybe it's another, another drug. But you cannot defeat what you don't define. Identify and acknowledge the bad habit. Second thing is this, replace the bad habit. See, often we set ourselves up for failure when we do this. We say, I'm going to stop, I'm going to stop, I'm going to stop, I'm going to don't do this. And as we're spending so much mental energy focusing on stopping that thing, we're still spending time, mental energy focusing on the thing. It's in our brains more and we end up doing that. But, but my friend in, uh, in high school who was really struggling, who became a Christian when he was 19 years old, he was a little older than me. I was still in high school. And he was, uh, had a history of, of, of drug abuse. And, and so he was trying to balance his faith along with his drug addiction and drug abuse history. And he was having such a hard time because he's like, man, God doesn't like the fact that I'm doing drugs. I don't like the fact that I'm addicted to these drugs, but I don't know how to stop. And God spoke to me right then when I came over to his apartment and we were playing Halo. And I was like, hey, you know what? You need to stop for a second. I need to encourage you with something. You are so focused on what you, you're supposed to stop that you're not paying attention to what you need to start. You're so focused on what not doing, you're not focusing on what you should be doing. And I encouraged him to replace the bad habit with something because we're setting ourselves up for failure if we're simply, our, our plan of attack is stop because our mental energy is going to be like, okay, got to stop, got to stop, and, and it'll be in our forefront of our brains. But if we replace that bad habit with something then we'll set ourselves up for success. If your attitude is comparing, you know what the antidote to that is? You know what you need to replace? That if, you, if you struggle with comparing yourselves to other people, 
and, and, I, and I do. And what I've done, I've been intentional about celebrating instead of comparing. If I'm, if I'm struggling with comparing someone, you know, social media is a hard thing with this. When you see other people, you're like, oh man, look at that person's car, look at that person's house. That person's kids love them. Mine was just yelling at me for something. That person's way better than me. You know, it's, you know what I do? Is I just celebrate them. I say, I thank God that this person just got this promotion. I thank God that this person has a nice house. I thank God that their kids love them. Although that was social media, their kids would probably scream at them right before they took the photo. You know that. Social media is a highlight reel and not healthy to compare yourself. But replace the comparison struggle with celebrating other people. That's just one thing. If you struggle with abusing alcohol, focus that time. What are you doing with that time when you normally find out the times where you say, man, this is when I usually go to that habit. Replace that time with saying, hey, let's plan something with our family. Let's plan something with our friends. If you struggle and you want to replace TV or social media, just set aside that time when you usually do to open up your Bible and go through your Bible reading plan. If you struggle, struggle with overeating, go for a walk. If you struggle, struggle with overspending and you're wanting to give, you know what you should do? You should serve. That's another way of giving. You should sign up for a team and, and find that outlet because we are designed to give. We are purposed to give of all aspects of God's given us. And often that is our strengths. And what I've found is people who, who haven't found their purpose, they need to find a, an outlet to give back to the community. And whether that's signing up for something outside of a church or on a Sunday morning team, that's an opportunity to replace the bad habit. The problem is often we're setting ourselves up for failure when we don't replace the bad habit. And what we're doing is we're starving the wrong desires because we're stopping, but we're feeding the desires of our spirit man. Scripture talks about, and Caleb talked about it two weeks ago, of starving those wrong desires and feeding the right desires that honor God. Replace the bad habit with prayer. Replace it with generosity. Replace it with selflessness. Selflessness meaning I'm not thinking about myself, but I'm putting others first. And you'll find you'll move yourself on to stopping the bad habit. The third thing is huge is surround yourself with the right community. Statistics show us that we are the average of the five closest people to us. And you can see that, that I even read a statistic that one out of three people who have a friend who stopped, or no, no, sorry, two out of three people who have a friend that start losing weight, they also start losing weight. And it, and, it, and it shows how bad habits are contagious, but also the good habits are contagious. So based on who you want to become, who do you want to surround yourself with? And maybe you have some relationships where you're not spending investing as much energy to, and that you need to focus in on that. I want to encourage you that we're actually starting community groups Randy announced it a little bit ago that in two weeks, and actually next week, you have the opportunity to sign up. And then two to three weeks from today, we are launching our groups where we're meeting weekly, some of them bi-weekly and some of them just monthly, even an opportunity to connect with people that are going to lift you up. And so very practical, surround yourself with the right community. Who are you surrounding yourself around? Proverbs 13, 20 says this, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. Makes sense. But the company of fools will suffer harm. See, some of us are, are setting up for failure when we're putting ourselves around people that are also doing those bad habits. And man, maybe some of us have that mindset where it's like, no, I'm going to try to reach these people. I'm trying to bring them closer. You have to ask that question because we are called to reach. But who's doing the influencing? You know, are they pulling you closer to their bad habits? Or are you pulling them up to Jesus? And, and that's, an, that's a balance that you have to pray about. Because I'm not saying you cut everybody out of your life who's not helping you, but, but maybe that needs to happen. 
that, that's a balance that I can't leave a blanket statement for you to simply do that. But for you to pray and say, God, where, is my, where am I being influenced? And am I, am I being pulled up or am I being pulled down? Surround yourself with the right community. And the last thing is that we need to bring the bad habit to God. Bring that bad habit to God. And this is where we find our strength. This is another word, this is another way of saying repentance. Bringing that bad habit to God. And if the keys want to come back, bringing the bad habit to God means repent. And the word repent means a change of heart, a change of direction, change of direction in our heart and mind, both that we're, we're changing our perspective, and we're, but most importantly, changing our direction, that we were going this way, but we're bringing this to God, and we're changing our heart, changing our mind, and the direction of those two things. You notice we always want to do things on our own? Like, I don't know, maybe it's just me or independent. Maybe it's just me and my kids that, that passed on to my kids because we're very independent. And so, so many times, uh, just, just, last, uh, just two nights ago, my daughter was putting her pajamas on. And they were all like twisted inside out and stuff. And she was like, hey, let me help you. She's like, no, daddy. Back up, daddy. I got this. And like 15 minutes later, I was finally like, hey, you still want, you still want to do that? You got it on your own? And she's like, no, daddy, I do it. And finally, maybe five minutes after that, she finally was, I was like, hey, I can help you. Do you want me to do this? You're having struggle. It was like two legs were in one leg. It was all mixed up. And, and I was like, I, got, I can help you. Let me help you. And I think often God's help is based on our invitation. We say, like, God's sovereign, he should be helping me out. But often we're like my daughter and we're so independent that we say, God, I'll, 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 I got this. I got this. I, I'm in control. And then, and then I think he, his response is often the same. It's like, okay, you got this. I'll let you, I'll let you do your thing. And I think the, the majority of it, this, this last point is probably where I want to spend, or I want to put the biggest emphasis. I want to put the biggest emphasis because this is the, the part we can have some practical steps. But if we're not allowing God's grace into our lives, if we're not, not leaving, going from sh- this mindset of shame and bringing this to God and realizing that He is not the author of shame, that, we're not, that shame isn't our identity, if we're not bringing this to God and allowing His strength to come through us and empowering us to stop this bad habit, then we're, we're setting ourselves up for failure even more than any other thing I said. But this idea of repentance means that you're bringing this bad habit to God. You're bringing your sin to God. And when we bring our sin to God, it closes the gap. We say, man, this, this, this sin has been blocking my relationship with God. It's been getting in the way of God. And every time he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness, we bring it to God and we close that gap. And we say, man, I feel you. I feel God, your strength in my life. I'm experiencing your grace right now. And that grace is more powerful than anything in the world. I know. Because I experience it on a daily basis. And it doesn't matter how many times you have to do this, is that you never, that the, the habit you want to replace is and put in place instead of the bad habit is this good habit of coming to God in repentance, bringing this bad habit, bringing this this idea of sin into God and saying, God, forgive me. I'm going to change this direction. I want you to, to, to wipe my slate clean. And scripture says he does that. 
At Project Church, we've said this multiple times is on a Sunday morning, we're, we're not about behavior modification. We're not saying, hey, you, at Project Church, you need to look a certain way. If you're keeping these bad habits up, man, that's, then that's, get it, shape up or ship out. That's not the heart of Project Church. The focus that we say, we're not about behavior modification, but we're about heart transformation. We're about pointing you to the one who does the heart transformation. We're about praying for you. We're about leading you into letting you know that God is here and God can transform your heart, which is the root of the issue. I could give you a million practical steps, but until you experience the grace of Jesus Christ, you'll never be able to do that because your mindset and your heart, this, it's a spiritual problem more, it is, more than it is a practical problem. God wants to heal that heart. And often if we're trying to fix this with practical steps simply, it's like we're putting a Band-Aid on a heart infection. Putting something that's an external fix to an internal problem. And so some of us today, I, I felt like encouraging you to experience His grace today. And I think that, that the reason God put this on my heart, I wrote it in bold at the end, is because some of us have been there so many times. We've been a Christian a long time. But you need to experience his grace today. Fresh and anew. You need to experience his grace today because as I'm talking, you're realizing there's these things that are coming up and you do feel like you're disconnected from God, that these things are getting in your way of relationship with God. And you need to experience his grace today. I also feel like God's telling me to say, to, not, to stop comparing yourself to others and just receive his grace. Don't worry about what other people are doing. Don't worry about what other people look like. And don't worry about where other people are at. But just receive his grace today. Would you bow your heads with me across this place? I hope this word encouraged you today. If you haven't heard, we recently purchased a building in Old Sacramento. This is going to be the permanent home of Project Church. We are here to stay in Sacramento. But I wanted to ask you if you would consider giving uh, donating to help make this vision come to fruition. You can go to www.projectchurch.com backslash believe to see more about the building and to donate. God bless you and let's see what God can do through us.